Thank, thank you for being at worship today. I'm going to lead you in a, our verse as I normally do and then our prayer. But when I finish that prayer, don't sit down, okay? Because we, we've got another prayer we need, to, we need to have together today. I want us to look at Philemon 13 and 14, these two verses. Uh, and so uh, let, me, uh, let me read this to, him, to you. So that it has become known throughout the whole Imperial Guard and to everyone else that my imprisonment is in the cause of Christ. Um, most, most of the brothers in the land have gained confidence from my imprisonment and they're even more to speak the message fearlessly. I don't know if that's the verse I had to begin with at the beginning. But anyway, there we are. Thank you for that. Uh, who, who doesn't believe in miracles? I just spoke it and it just popped up there. How about that? Now let me read you this one. I wanted to keep him with me so that in my imprisonment for the gospel, he might serve me in your place. But I didn't want to do anything without your consent so that your good deed, not, your good deed might not be of, out of obligation, but of your own free will. I know that verse. Let's pray together. Father, help me to be a plain preacher today, so plain that a child would understand me. Help me to be in tune to your Holy Spirit. Any word of knowledge you give to me to speak to a person or their situation, if you prompt me with it, I want to be obedient to speak to it. Lord, you look at all of us today. You see me differently. I'm under a greater and a more strict judgment than anybody in this room. And I know that, and I accept my place in rightly dividing your word. So in the name of Jesus that I pray, his name that I preach, amen. Just remain standing, okay? I know you're in a habit of sitting down. We know what's going on in Israel. If you've seen the news uh, happen, they're seven hours ahead of us. So uh, we know what happened. Uh, we know what's happening now. I, I, I got up early just to, uh, just, to, just to catch up with them being seven hours ahead. And uh, I, I wanna tell you, we teach this at our church. I, I speak it a lot on Sunday mornings, haven't in a while, but hang on. Just because I don't mention it doesn't mean you don't pray for it, okay? You need to know what scripture does. We teach this in new member training. In fact, we just closed out new member training last Sunday. We just took some people through a class. And in our, in our folder, we, we give you, we have an hour of prayer. And that hour of prayer is 12 different steps of prayer thinking that you can spend about five minutes in each step, which would equal an hour. Obviously, some steps may have three minutes in them and some steps may have seven minutes in it. They don't all have to be identical in five minutes, but it just gives you a format. We ask you to pray for a lot of things in that, those 12 areas. Ministries, awakening, revival, it, we want you to spend time in his word during that prayer time. We want you listening to praise and, and worship music during that prayer time. You can do your devotion during that to prayer time. What is the Lord saying to you? So it's all incorporated. But there's one segment in those 12 steps where we teach you to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. It's Psalm 122.6. And I'm going to include verse 7. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May those, whose love, may those who love you prosper. May there be peace within your walls and prosperity within your fortresses. We, uh, we, we pray this as a mandate from the Lord. We pray this just to give you, just to sum up some things for you that may have questions. 
Everything that's going on in the Middle East and has a target, and that target is Jerusalem. That, that is a place and a land that they absolutely want to take captive and have for themselves. It, it doesn't matter what other areas of the Middle East, it all has a focus, and that focus is Jerusalem. So we pray for the peace of Jerusalem. We pray for them to have wisdom there. Listen, uh, I don't know when the Lord's coming back. First chapter of Acts, the disciples are even talking about that in a reference to Israel being placed like it used to be. And he says, only the Father has the authority to know that. I don't know. But I'm going to tell you, be ready, right? If he comes today, I'm ready. I'm ready. If I, if I die today, I'm ready. I'm absolutely ready. I have no fear of either one of those. But what do we do in the meantime? We've got a gospel message to get out. We have a gospel message to send out. And we're a part of that. And we stay focused on that gospel message, okay? So I want, you to, I want you to see that. I want you to feel that, all right? But in the meantime, we pray. Uh, some, somebody asked me today, well, what do we do? I said, there's an old hymn I grew up with. And it says, we'll work till Jesus comes, right? We'll work till he comes back. And we have a kingdom agenda ahead of us. And we continue to do that, okay? Let's, let's bow together. Let's pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Father, from Scripture itself, we know what you have done in this land. We even have a name for it, calling it the Holy Land in reference to you. We know this is an area where Jesus walked and talked, where he died and where he was raised again. And we pray, we pray for the peace of Jerusalem. A lot of suffering going on. They're at war. And Lord, we pray for your peace to be there on those people. We pray for those who are held captive and hostage, and we pray for those who've lost loved ones, Lord. We pray for those who are there in Israel that are ministering and giving out a gospel message even in the midst of this war. Uh, and we know, the, the, we know the person of peace, Lord, and that's you. Uh, it's all wrapped up in a person, and it's you. Lord, as you reveal yourself to these people, to all that is going on there, may they see you in your glory and may they see you as Savior of their life. Um, Lord, I thank you for the promises that you give us and that you have for us. And we stand in these promises. And Lord, we don't pray this prayer of peace over Jerusalem because you'll find favor with us. We pray because you ask us to, to partner with you and join you in that prayer and so we pray for peace. We pray for peace all over our world, and we know that comes through you. It's in the name of Jesus that I pray and that we pray. Amen. And be seated. I don't know if any of you all are a Rich Mullins fan. Uh, a lot of you don't probably know who he is, but he was a, a contemporary Christian musician and singer-songwriter in my younger days. And I love him. I love Rich Mullins. So I've been on a Rich Mullins kick here lately, uh, just listening to his music. And all day yesterday, I was mowing yards and mulching leaves. And, and uh, I was listening to it through my phone and my headphones. And uh, I kept playing over and over. If you know Rich Mullins, you may know this song. My deliverer is coming. My deliverer, he is standing by. 
And so until the, he comes back, because we could get into end time and start putting these things together, and it could easily be, I just want to tell you, it could be, I'm ready. I want you to be ready, I want, but we have a gospel message to get out, okay? And that's going to even line up with our sermon and our message and our challenge today. <clears throat> Last Sunday, as we're going verse by verse through the book of Philemon, I left you in verses 11 and 12 with uh, Paul using, uh, using a play on words. Onesimus is a slave, he's a runaway slave, his name means useful. And so he was using that, the, he was talking about now that Onesimus has come to Christ, he's incredibly useful to you Philemon, who was a, a Christian but also a slave owner. And we're not advocating that Christians have slaves. We're not at all advocating that. But in this day and time, it did occur. It was happening. And you'll know that Paul is trying to get Philemon to receive Onesimus, not as a slave, but as a brother in Christ. He came to Christ. Onesimus came to Christ. Now Paul is using the wordplay to say that he is useful to him. And we see that our usefulness is now in Christ. I'm gonna give you some teaching today about kingdom principle, and I want you to see it in this ver these verses, that in the kingdom, you and I are either sending or we're being sent. It's not about sitting. Okay, two, two ladies responded to that. It's not about sitting, it's about being sent or sending. Those are kingdom principles. We're going to see these in this account of Paul and Philemon and Onesimus today. It is a kingdom principle of doing that. It's a kingdom reality. And so in, in verse 13, we have Paul wanting to keep Onesimus. Remember, Onesimus is a runaway slave. And somehow in Rome, he finds Paul. Paul's under house arrest. Don't forget that. He wrote this letter under house arrest. Had a little bit of freedom, not a whole lot. Remember, they can't, if they can't shut him up, they shut him out, right? And so he and Onesimus come together. They meet each other. He sees Onesimus surrender his life to Christ. So Paul sees him in a completely different light here. But he wants to keep Onesimus. See there? I wanted to keep him with me. I wanted to keep him with me. The word want here indicates that he's thinking about it or he's been waiting on his response. Uh, he wants to keep it. In the kingdom, don't forget, there is a principle of sending or being sent. Let, let, me, let me emphasize those two, th those two ideas and principles in the kingdom, sending or being sent, with sowing and reaping. In Scripture, there is a kingdom principle of sowing and reaping. You're either sowing the gospel or you're reaping the harvest from the gospel. Now, you and I may put emphasis on the reaper. Like, man, the reaper is great. Like, for example, my best friend in ministry, and he's more than a friend, he's a dear brother, Steve Ayers. I could be preaching a revival and, uh, and for seven nights. And there would people make some decisions, but I'm a sower. That's what I do every day, all day long. I just sow, I, I challenge, I encourage, I counsel. I do all that all day long. I'm a sower. Steve is a reaper. 
I could, I could be a seven-night revival, preach my heart out, have some people make some decisions. Heirs could come in one night and 40 people come running down the aisle because he's a reaper. Now, in our minds, in our earthly minds, we've got the reaper being greater than the sower because that's the way we keep score, right? But the scripture says that the reaper is not greater than the sower. You, you, if you don't have the sower... You don't have anything to reap. So they work together. One's not more important than the other. In other words, you're going to look at Steph Curry as being the reaper, right? But you, you, you don't pay attention to the guy that gets all the rebounds. And then you're going, well, Steph Curry, there's not that many rebounds. Well, then on the other end of the court, then they, the guy that gets the rebound. Nobody pays that much attention to the rebound. It's kind of like on the offensive line. Who pays attention to the lineman? Everybody pays attention to the one that scores the points. But you, you can't really have one without the other. So they go together. I just want you to see the principle of sending or being sent is like the principle of sowing and reaping that's in Scripture. It is a principle of, of sent or, or being sent. And I, I want you to feel that when it comes to ministry. But he says, I, I wanted to keep him with me. Isn't, isn't that who we are? We want to keep, right? I mean, just even stuff. Just even stuff. We've got stuff that Laura and Andrew have drawn on when they were just little bitty kids. I mean, I mean tubs full of this stuff. And then I'm just going to speak for my tribe, guys. Hey, take up for me, will you? I'm going, why? You know, why do we have all this stuff? L listen, when I moved our mother and father-in-law, my mother and father-in-law, Julie's parents from Campbell's, we found a baby jar of Julie's grandfather's gallstones. And I'm going, why? Gallstones. I'm going, what is this? I mean, my, oh, those are my dad's gallstones. I'm like, it made me feel bad that we didn't keep any of my parents' gallstones. You know, I'm like, I must be a bad kid, you know? Because we, we, we want to keep, don't we? We just, there's something within us that makes us want to keep. Like, Laura's coming in this week, and I don't get to see my girl much. And I told Amy, I said, Amy, from Wednesday on, man, I'm not going to be around much because I'm following Laura everywhere she goes, you know? I'm just going to be right behind her, just like, it's hard for me to hide. But I'm going to try to, I'm going to try to be right behind her. You know I want to keep her here. Back in the summer, when it was like 110, 15 degrees in, in Texas, I'm going, I'll text her and go, 78 this morning. You ever thought about moving back? You know, which I don't think she will. But uh, don't, even with our kids, don't we want to keep them at least close by? All of us. Aren't we guilty of that? I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I'm just saying that's who we are. We just want to be able to keep things. Even, even your life, are there areas of your life that you go back to in your mind and it was just a really good season for you? And have you ever thought about, man, I'd just like to go back and not just go back, but keep that, just stay there? Life was simpler. There wasn't as many responsibilities. 
I would just like to go back there and not just visit, but I'd like to stay or I'd like for it to be able to be able to keep it. That's who we are. That's who we are. We want to be able to keep. And Paul's confessing here. I want to keep him with me. It, it makes sense. Philemon is a long way away. Onesimus is near. And now he's a new Christian. Has a whole new purpose of life. And Paul wants to, he wants to be able to keep him, to be, keep him close by. But... We, we've got to realize that he's in the principle of sending or being sent. The, the, logically, we're going, it makes, sense to, it makes sense to be able to keep him. Um, in, in verse 13, I, I want to keep, keep him here with me that, uh, that he might serve me in your place. It makes sense, doesn't it? It makes sense that we keep Onesimus near because Philemon is away. And I want to re- remind you, I want to remind you that he's in prison for the gospel. He's not in prison for anything else. He's just in prison for the gospel. And you're going to go, well, why they put him in prison? That's a great question. Let me answer it for you. When you preach a message that your king is greater than their emperor, you're going to go to jail. He's going, the king that I serve has more authority and power than your emperor. And when you say that, they're not only going to try to shut you up, they're going to shut you out. And so you need to know that all ministries and all ministers need help. Don't, don't you dare look at a ministry or a minister going, I need help, and going, my gosh, that's all they ask for is help. We ministries and ministers need help. We need co-laborers. And, the, and Jesus teaches in the gospel, pray for laborers. Don't pray for the harvest to be great. He says it's already great. Pray for laborers. Part of my prayer for the peace of Jerusalem is the Christian witness that's going to go on in the midst of this war. The Christian churches that are there that are going to continue ministry in the midst of this war. So he's in prison, not not for anything else, but for preaching the gospel of Christ. And for the gospel is a key phrase here that we're going to hit on just a little later before we leave. He's under house arrest, but he's still ministering. He's still ministering. Uh, I need Onesimus, he says, but Paul has a little bit of a kingdom sense here that the greater need is for Onesimus to go co-labor with Philemon. In our selfishness, uh, we've sent out over 60 people of our church. I, I was raised. Some of you all, if I would have put it up to a business meeting, I got an idea of which way you may vote. But we have sent them out. It makes logic to keep them here and let them work because I need them. We're always going to need ministry. We always need co-laborers in ministry. I don't care what ministry you have. There's always that need for people to partner with you. But Paul had the kingdom sense. Are you all listening to this? Because I'm really going to hit this with you. He had the kingdom sense to know that the best thing for Onesimus was not stay with him, but to send him back and co-labor with Philemon. Do you see that? It's all based on a kingdom principle of sending 
or being sent. We're in that midst of doing that. We're, we're in one of those places in our, in our life. So he, he's, he's, he's doing that. If we send out 60 people from our church, and I want to remind you, you are a sending church. If we send those people out, then logically, in a corporate kind of way, in an earthly kind of way, we're going, hey, Jeff, we could use that leadership here. But we're, all churches are called to be a sending church. And in that, I've got to trust God with the difference. I've prayed that over my children. I've encouraged you to pray it over yours. Lord, use them, send them. But in the middle of that, I've got to trust the Lord with what he's doing, and I've got to trust him with the area that I have a big question mark about. I have got to trust him with the difference. Paul needs him, but Paul has a kingdom sense that what he needs to do is to send Onesimus to Philemon. I want you to see in, in verse, um, I want you to see in verse 14 that Paul needs or is encouraging Philemon's blessing here. But I didn't want to do anything without your consent. In other words, I, I need you to bless this so that your good deed might not be out of obligation, but out of your own free will. I believe this is really Paul giving Philemon a test. Here's the test. Philemon owned Onesimus, and legally he could demand him back and be legally within his Roman right to do so. But Paul is really giving a suggestion here and a test that Philemon, I want to see what your kingdom reaction is, not your legal action. It's really a test. What's the kingdom reaction, not the legal reaction? You know, when you're discipling people, good discipleship always gives people a task to do. I've, I've trained many of you all, don't be the Bible answer guy, even if you know the answer. And you're going, well, this is crazy. It's not because even though I may know the answer, I want to direct them to go on their own discovery. I want them to encounter God's word because it says it's alive. And I want them to encounter the Holy Spirit because he interprets it. So I really, I, I, I may not answer them, but I may guide them to chapter and verse and tell them, go, go look that up on your own. Go have your own discovery with this because I want them to have their own moment. There are times I've spent in, in God's word, I'm, I'm t I mean, obviously I do, but I'm talking about when I was searching for what the Lord wanted me to do in my life and fully commit to, that, man, Scripture was just popping up all the time, speaking right to me. The Holy Spirit was interpreting that to me, and I, I just didn't want it. One of them was a verse I use with you all the time. The eyes of the Lord are looking to and fro over all the land to find a heart that is loyal to him. And I heard the Holy Spirit go, Jeff, he's looking to see if your heart is loyal. Will you let your heart be loyal? That all happened out of that verse in Chronicles. That's why it's so dear to me. There, listen, Billy Graham wasn't standing next to me. I didn't have, I didn't have Christian Broadcasting Network on TV. I, you understand what I'm saying? I didn't have a monk hoodie on <laughs> and going around going, oh, you know, I want the Lord to speak to me, burning incense, lighting candles. None of that went on. 
It was just me and my search and the Word of God and the Holy Spirit connected. You can say whatever you want, but you can't take that away from me. I had my own discovery with His Word and with the Spirit. And so to be a good discipler, you've got to give people tasks. Put, put them on a kingdom task. Give them a task that even involves God's word and give them the opportunity for their own discovery. In fact, give them their own opportunity to choose. Look at this last line. For some of you who are a little deeper in theology, you're going to get this. But that is, but uh, not out of obligation, but your own free will. We don't talk about free will a lot. I think the angels had a free choice of whether they're going to be the messengers of God they were created to be or they were going to follow Satan. And I think we have choices. I really do think we have choices. I said in the early service, I, I, I could leave today and just walk out of the ministry. I, I don't think I'd live 24 hours if I did it. I'm being honest. I'm not saying that to scare you. I'm just telling you I have... I have oozed so much confidence in the Lord. I have said so many strong things about our Lord that I, I could walk away. I just don't think I'd live very long. I, I, I've got a, there is, there is a, but not out of obligation, Philemon, though I want you to pick this, but I'm going to give you an opportunity to make a kingdom decision here. Not a legal action, but a kingdom action. I'm going to give you that choice I don't want it to be out of obligation, but I want it to be out of your free will. In other words, Paul is giving Philemon a little subtle test. Are you going to answer me with your head or are you going to answer me with your heart? And is it going to be a kingdom response? Which, which of these are you going to do? So if we're going to be good disciples, you give tasks to people. You give them tasks to be able to do kingdom tasks. I want you to look at even choosing. He's going to give him a chance to choose. Look at Joshua 24, 15. I, I love this address to the people. But if it doesn't please you, worship the Lord. To worship the Lord. Uh, choose for yourselves today the one you will worship. There's the word choose. The gods your fathers worship beyond the Euphrates River are the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. As for me and my house, uh, I learned it, or as for me and my family, uh, we will choose, we will, we will choose to serve or worship the Lord. Uh, I've made it a practice, just a personal practice. When I go to bed tonight, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give my allegiance to Jesus when I get up in the morning, the first thing I do is I give my allegiance to Jesus. It's, uh, it's to him that I serve and I live my life. Uh, choose, choose this day. Listen, he's saying, Philemon, I want you to choose, but not out of obligation, but I want you to choose out of love. He's looking for a, his heart to love this new Onesimus and to take him on as a co-laborer. And it's the love of Christ that compels us. Look at 2 Corinthians 5, 14 and 15 for just a moment. For Christ's love compels us. Since we have reached this conclusion, if one died for all, then all died. And he died for all so that those who live should no longer live for themselves. You see that line? 
no longer live for themselves, but for the one who died for them and was raised. He's saying, go back to verse the other, the other verse 14. He's saying here that it's not out of obligation. Uh, it's not out of obligation that I'm, I want you to make any decision. I want it to be your choice. And he's saying, he's got a phrase there that says, your good deed. I want you to choose this. Not under compulsion, not forced by man, but I want you to make a kingdom reaction. It is Paul saying, uh, there's all these choices you can make, but here's the one I think you need to make. Is he hinting to that? He certainly is doing that. Philemon, there's a kingdom choice in here and you need to make it. And you've got a lot of choices to make. We can leave it like it is. You can legally ask for him back, punish him, or you can take him on as a brother and a co-laborer together. There's all kinds of things you can do. He is now useful. Don't do it under compulsion. Don't, don't force it, but make the kingdom decision. Listen, I read this in preparation for the sermon. It said generosity forced is not generosity at all. I, I can make you feel really guilty today. In fact, I can get pretty good at it. I, I could just start laying stuff down. And, but you know what? You, you, you're gonna, you, you would be reacting to man. I, I, I've got to, that's not my role to convict you nor do I have that power. That is the power of the Holy Spirit to do the convicting in your life. I don't do that. But if it's generosity is forced, then it's not generosity at all. If I guilt you into serving, then it's not service. It's not service. If I gift you into giving, literally giving money, then, then you've not given out a cheerfulness. And it says, Scripture says the Lord loves a, a, a cheerful giver. If, if, I, if I make you feel guilty about not using your talents and then you start using your talents, you're not using them for him. He, even the gifts that he's given you. If you walk around as a new believer and say, you don't have any gifts, well, you, you've just talked smack to the giver. <laughs> because he's given you a gift. But you need to do it out of loving people. Let me just use simple things and you're gonna say, yeah, you're bringing this up and you're using, you know, you're, uh, you're, you're bringing obligation into this. I'm not, I want you to live, I want you to work in children's ministry because you love the Lord and you love children. Uh, Gail Humpston, she's with the Lord now. We used to say this. Uh, I remember some guy prophesied over her that she was going to write children's books and the whole world was going to read them. And uh, you can laugh at me if you want. I said, he's a false prophet. And they said, how do you know he's a false prophet? I said, Gail hates kids. <laughs> I said, she doesn't like kids. She liked them at a certain age. And if you knew her, you know I'm telling the truth. Uh, I told Gail one day, I absolutely do not want you involved in children's ministry. You can serve the food at Vacation Bible School, but that's as far as it goes. Uh, why, why do we do what we do? It's because we love the Lord. I mean, just even the guys that cut the hay and, and bale the hay here or roll it now, 
uh, for that ministry in Eastern Kentucky. I know it's hot. There's no recognition. We're not going to give them a plaque. But I, I want them to cut the hay because they love Jesus and they're partnering with another ministry. It's still, even though it's bales of hay, it's still sent or being sent. It's still under the principle of being able to do that. Why do we do what we do in areas of ministry? Because we love him. Ask me if I've wanted to quit this. Just about every Monday. But what keeps me doing it? Because I'm committed to you? No, because I love him. And I love you. It's the love of Christ that compels us to do what we do. And so Paul is handling Philemon here. Uh, there's a kingdom reaction here, Philemon. I'm wanting to hear it, and I, I, I don't want you to receive Onesimus out of obligation or legal action. I want you to do it because you see him as a brother in the ministry. It's a verse we'll be getting to in a few Sundays. I, I just want you to see that. Paul, Paul is helping Philemon here. He's giving him good discipleship. He's giving him a task to choose. Hoping he's going to choose the kingdom reaction. He's really hinting toward what the answer is, but he's still letting him make the answer. And I think there's still a play on words here. Last Sunday, we used the word Onesimus, the slave. His name means useful. And now that he's come to Christ, Paul is trying to show Philemon that he's useful. Philemon is a play on words here. If you'll bring up verse 14 again, uh, Kim, that Philemon means kind and generous. And do you see that phrase, your good deed? I believe it's a play on words again. I believe he's using that phrase to say, Philemon, your name means good deed. Your name means kind and generous. So do the Philemon thing here. Make a decision that is kind uh, to Onesimus. And it, it's, he's hinting, and he's being subtle about it, but he's hinting to what the kingdom response is. Here's what I want you to take home today with you. Uh, there, there, there are five things, so just, just bear with me in this. Um, I know we want to keep. There's a tendency for us to keep. But let's think send or being sent. Let's think that way. And you're going, well, I don't feel like I need to be sent. Well, maybe you need to give financially to what is being sent. You see what I'm saying? We all can be in that process in different ways. You can partner in prayer with that. There's lots of ways of being in the principles of sending and being sent. Second thing, Paul said he's in prison for the gospel. He's, he, he's, given a, he's given a message that the king is greater than the emperor. And for the gospel is the key phrase. This is our life. It's not just the Christian part of our life. The gospel is our life. We, we partner with the gospel message. Third thing, take on gospel tasks. If I give you a gospel task, take it on with fervor, like it's your homework uh, coming from your teacher. Uh, what's the kingdom task? Good discipleship receives and gives kingdom task. Do that. Fourth, be motivated by love. Don't do anything under the compulsion of man. We do it because the love of Christ compels us to do it. And then last, 
it comes with Joshua. It comes with what Paul is saying to Philemon. Choose. Choose. I pray you walk out of here every day. You choose the Lord. You'll wake up tomorrow and the world will have you try to have you focused on something else. Wake up tomorrow and say, I choose to serve you today. This is a day that you have made and I will rejoice and I will be glad at it. And my eyes, they are fixed on you. You choose. I pray you choose a kingdom reaction to literally everything in your life. Let's pray together. Father, I pray over our people today. Thank you that they're here. We gather for worship. We gather around your word. And I know your Holy Spirit has preached more sermons than I have today. And Father, you know where we are. You know where we need to be. You know what's going on in our lives. And you know what the flesh response is, the earthly response, the worldly response. But you also know what your kingdom response is today. Make that vivid and clear to us. We ask for your wisdom. James wrote about you, Lord, that if we lack wisdom, ask and you'll give us. And the wisdom you give us will be kingdom wisdom. So give us that wisdom today. And we choose you today. We thank you. It's in the name of Jesus that I pray and that we pray together. Amen. I don't know what your commitment is today. I encourage you to make it. If you're here, you never surrendered your life to Christ, please do so today. Counselors will be on the altar. Our invitation is this. Whosoever will, for whatever reason today, you come.